I want to share a message this morning that's pretty heavy on my heart. And there's a few PowerPoint slides, not like normal, just a few little ones that, that are going to come up at different points. But this is just, I'm going to preach from my heart this morning on stuff that's heavy, that's been heavy on my heart, and we're going to back it with the word. And, and I want to start it off by asking a question this morning. What do we do when society, culture, and even some within the church tell us to bow, tell us to be silent, and tell us to accept the idols that they have put up. What are we going to do? And the reason I say within the church in quotations is because some of these people, I'm not sure if they're in the part of the church or not. What are we going to respond? What are we going to do when we're told to be quiet? What are we going to respond when we're told that this is the thing we have to bow to? This is what we need to say. This is what we need to tolerate. This is what we need to accept. This is what we need to do. What will the church do? What will we do as part of the church? See, this is the reality. We need faith to stand. We stand in faith, but the reality is that we need faith to stand. Now, I'm going to be very clear. I'm not a doom and groom, doom and groom preacher. I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm a let's stand on the word of God preacher. And here is the reality. Things in the world system and things in culture are doing exactly what the world system does and exactly what culture does. Get, go from worse to worse. From bad to worse. Throughout all of society, we've seen it. And throughout all of scripture, we see it. If you read the book of Kings, when those kings of Israel come on, and it says that one of them did worse than the one before, and did more evil than the one before, and did more evil than the one before, it should not surprise us that we see evil growing. The question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to accept it, or are we going to stand in faith and have faith to stand? Look, I want to show you in the word because we got to back everything up with the word of God. Start with me in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I, I, I always want to go back to what Jesus says. Because if Jesus said it, I think we should pay a lot of close attention to it, right? Look at what Jesus was telling the disciples before he was crucified. He sat there, verse 3 of chapter 24. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. I believe that is a prophetic message from Jesus himself to the church this morning. See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. They will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. Let's talk about what's happening right now. We've got wars all around the world. If you had told me when Russia invaded Ukraine over a year ago that they would be fighting for more than a year, everyone would have said, no way. We're at a year and a half. And more mobilization and more rumors of wars. But what did Jesus said? This is a sign, but the end's not yet. 
And he said, don't be alarmed about it. Stop worrying. Stop freaking out. Stop thinking of all the different things. Jesus himself said, do not be alarmed. It's going to happen. It must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. I was recently speaking to someone who works for a department of agriculture and all these different things and was explaining to me, I'd never heard about this on the news, but was explaining that during COVID and all these different things, people were randomly getting shipment of seeds to their houses. No return labels, no different things. And you know what the fear is? The preparation of some type of biological thing. You plant, I got seeds, I plant them, it goes, it destroys the crop of the region. Don't be alarmed because our source is God. Don't be alarmed because our provider is God. Don't be alarmed because it's still not the end. But if the church does not rise up and stand in faith, the days ahead are treacherous. Jesus' words, don't be alarmed. Then Jesus said this in verse 9. They're going to deliver you up to tribulation. Put you to death. You'll be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. We need to wake up as believers and have the faith to stand. See, Jesus said that, pass some years over, and look at what Paul writes to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, this is Paul, writes this, he says to him, understand this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self. Come on. Lovers of money. Proud. Arrogant. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Heartless. Unappeasable. Let me stop there for a second. What does it mean to be unappeasable? It's never enough. Do we not see that in society? Over the course of the last decades, oh, just this concession, this concession, this concession, this concession. And it's never enough. Unappeasable. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal. Not loving good. Treacherous. Reckless. Swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And look at number five, having the appearance of godliness, 
but denying its power. We're the church, but put the Holy Spirit in a box. It's happening. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Then he says, avoid such people. Among them are those who creep into households, capture the weak women burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge. He's saying, wake up, Timothy. People are going to stand and are going to come and say that all these things are right. So here's the question. What are we going to do? If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this this morning. We stand on the word of God. We stand on the word of God. It's one of the reasons you need to ingest it. You need to learn it. You need to read it over and over. Watch. Look, look what he continues to say. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured yet. From them all, the Lord rescued me. And look at verses 12 and 13. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Can I tell you something? When we stand for God, persecution will come. How does it look like today? Hey, yeah, cancel culture. Your Twitter gets uh, uh, put asleep or whatever they call it, banned. You didn't meet our guidelines, so you can't post for the next three days. You didn't do this. Oh, that's hate speech. Got a pastor that I know in Washington. Went to put an ad in the newspaper for the church, church service. And the newspaper said, this advertisement does not meet our guidelines and denied them to be able to advertise a church service. There are, sta there are states and countries around the world that if you are a Christian, they will persecute you and kill you, jail you at least. China, which has a rapid growth of the gospel, has to meet covert and hidden. Like taken through a room to another place that is underground with literally mattresses to buffer sound. And here is the American church. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm going to stand on what the word of God says. And if the word of God offends, you take it up with him. See, when we read the word of God, it is a reflection and tells us what to cut off. It's like a mirror. I'm going to tell you what happened in the mirror with me. Uh, if you don't know, 
My wife's my hairdresser. She cuts my hair. During COVID, when everything closed down, I was like, I needed a haircut. And, and so I, I went over and I bought a pair of clippers. And um, not going to lie, it took a lot of faith, that first cut. As a matter of fact, when COVID had first just hit, we would film on Tuesday to be able to edit the video with time to put it live or whatnot. And, and so I was like, all right, this first haircut's got to be on Tuesday right after I record because that way there's a week for it to grow back. And um, I needed a haircut recently, but my wife is injured. So I was just like, I had no big deal. And, and when I, this morning, when, when I stood and I shaved in front of the mirror, I realized I, I was a little overgrown. So, so the mirror told me, it doesn't look right. So I got a little pair of the scissors and I, and I kind of just pulled it over and I just, I cheated. I just cut what could, you know, can, can see. But watch, when we read the word of God, it's a mirror that says, you're a lover of money right now. You need to fix that. You got some pride, arrogance, mm, some ungratefulness in you. Trying to appear godly, but, but you're really unholy. Mm, no self-control right now? This is the whole, it's, 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 it's a mirror. And this is what I can do. Extra gel. Or get a scissor and cut it. So what is the church doing? Appearance of godliness. Sunday morning, we're holy. But don't check the Instagram. Sunday morning, we're holy, but don't drive home with me to the place where I'm living with my girlfriend. Sunday morning, I'm holy, but don't watch what I watch. Sunday morning, I'm holy, but don't check my tax returns too closely. Oh, you thought I was just going to talk about, no, 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 no. Sunday morning, I'm holy, but don't go eat with me and the gluttony I deal with. Sunday morning, I'm holy, but don't check my speech out very carefully or what I listen to. Well, the reality is we're not reading the word of God. Because as we read the word of God consistently, don't tell me, oh, I read it once a week. No, 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 no. When you daily, consistently Read the word of God. When you change your diet, it all changes. So we have a weak, powerless church. Community of, I thought I was going to preach from my heart. What are we doing? It's time to stand. Yes, persecution's coming. Yes, we might be canceled. Yes. Government might take away the 501c3. Do you know what that would mean? It would mean that your donations are no longer tax deductible. So do you believe in God and you're going to then continue? Or are you going to say, well, if I don't get a benefit from the government because they took away the 501c3, then I stop. I'm just being real. What are we going to do? Are we going to stand? Are we going to have the faith to stand? Because it, 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 it shouldn't surprise us that things are getting worse. Nor should it surprise us that it's going to get worse. And I, I, look, the Bible says, Jesus says, nobody knows the times. But Jesus also said, these are just the beginning. 
We've been preaching for 2,000 years. Jesus is coming soon. And hey, he may very well come tomorrow. But I know that things will continue to get worse till the day he comes and reigns. Will we stand? Will we stand? Why? I, I, I. What do we stand on? Go to Acts chapter 4. We stand on the word of God. Actually, no, no, stay there, stay there. Sorry, sorry. Stay in, in, in 2 Timothy 3. Paul wrote to Timothy, told him, you're following my example. You're going to be persecuted. And look at 14. But as for you, continuing what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. In other words, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the holy scriptures. Some translations use. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out, of, out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Again, we stand on the word of God. There are people that say, well, the word of God was just written by man. Well, what is the reality? It was penned by man over a course of thousands of years. But the author was God himself through the Holy Spirit. We have people who work for the same company and share an email and a Google document or whatever, and you can tell who wrote what part. But you have men writing on behalf of God through thousands of years, even in some different languages, and the central theme from Genesis to Revelation is all the same. And can I tell you something? There was no Google to check what Moses had written so that I can write it the same way. And the printing press was nowhere near invention so that when Paul wrote the letters from the jail to the, you know, to, the, to the church or to the place, to Ephesus or Corinthians or whatever the case might be, he could reference first what it had said. It was the Holy Spirit. And what will the Holy Spirit do? As we fill and we read and we ingest the word, when we need to speak it, the Holy Spirit will tell us what to say. So number one, I said it, we stand on the word of God. Here's the next thing I want us to make sure we understand. We stand on the power of the Holy Spirit. We stand on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. What's going on here in Acts chapter 4? Well, we know that in Acts chapter 2, the disciples receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They immediately go out and begin to preach. They're preaching in one language, and everybody's understanding it in their own language. And there was no little headphone translations, all right? Now, we get to Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John, in chapter number 3, had gone by a guy who was sitting at the temple gate, a, a, a beggar who was lame, and he looked at them and said, I ain't got money. I ain't got gold, I ain't got silver, but what I got to give to you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that created, I mean, thank you, chaos in the religious folk. 
and they bring them before the council. This is where we are in Acts chapter 4. And as they bring them to the council, it says, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and certain captain of the temple, Sadducees, came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Look what happens in verse number 4. Many who had heard the word believed the number of men came to be about 5,000. 5,000 people just got saved. So the next day, they grab them. They gather them. Verse 6, with Annas, uh, Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And they set them in the midst, and they said, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means has this man been healed? Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucify, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you. Well, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. That's a verse in the Old Testament, by the way. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So then look at what they tell him. Skip down to verse number 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Do your thing, but don't, meet, don't mention Jesus. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't mention, don't put a Bible verse at the bottom of your email. That's unprofessional. I mean, you can quote Gandhi and Buddha and everybody else, but don't quote Jesus. Well, don't mention Jesus when you go to these places. No, 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 this is a, we, we can do all sorts of things, but we, we can't bring Jesus. It's what we're hearing today. It's nothing new. What's the difference? Our response. Peter and James' response here, Peter, uh, uh, this is what their response was. Watch. Go to verse 23. When they were released, they went and hid under a tree. No, that's not what it says. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they were released, they went to the fellowship of believers. And they said what happened. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, this is what they prayed. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Here's again, word of God, inspired. This is Peter praying. Paul wrote it about all the words inspired by God, right? Authored by God. This is what he says. The Holy Spirit told David to write this. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city... There were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats 
and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31, highlight it. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let me, under, let me get you to understand. In chapter number two, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But here, after they are being threatened to stay quiet, they went and prayed, fill us again. Give us more. And God didn't say, well, I already filled you once, Paul. We're, we're good. I mean, I filled you once. You know, Jadon, I gave you a little bit already. Don't ask again. That's not what he said. That's not what God did. It says that he filled the room shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. And they continued to preach the word boldly. If you're taking notes, number one, we stand on the word of God. Number two, we stand on the power of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we must pray for boldness to stand and speak what God says. We must pray for boldness to stand and speak what God says. It requires boldness. It requires boldness. Pastor, I don't know what to say. So I'm going to go study. I'm going to become, I'm going to go get an, another degree in apologetics so I can defend our faith. I have nothing against apologetics, but I have yet to meet one person that reasoning brought them to salvation. People come to salvation as they encounter Jesus through the word. I've heard of many people encountering Jesus by themselves in a hotel room. I've heard many people encountering Jesus because somebody on the street told them and they accepted him. I've met, I mean, I've met many of those reasoning onto salvation. I haven't met one yet. When somebody was able to get me to, in my mind, comprehend. No, the Bible actually says his ways are not our ways. It actually says that we don't have the understanding. So should we know how to defend our faith? Absolutely. But you know what Jesus told the disciples? Don't be anxious about what you're going to say. Watch, I'm going to show you. Go to Luke chapter 12. Again, we should base on what Jesus says. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. They're going to come up right behind me on the screen. Luke chapter 12, verse 11. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers. We just read this in Acts chapter 4. It happened in Acts chapter 4. Jesus said it here before being crucified. He told them, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Well, I don't know what I'm going to say. You don't need to know. You need to have the relationship with God and the person of the Holy Spirit, and he will tell you what to say. I don't know if you ever encountered, you have a conversation with somebody, the Lord moves, and you're like, man, I don't even know what I told them. I tell you how many times that's happened to me. I'll pray for somebody. The other days I prayed for somebody who was loud, I guess, and they, didn't, and they told me, I was like, I really don't know what you said. And I said, well, me neither. 
I mean, I just, I just pray your spirit received it then. <laughs> I wasn't talking on my own accord. So we have to pray for boldness. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with boldness. And have faith to stand. I told you it's not anything new. So I started backwards. I, start, I started with Paul telling Timothy, I showed you what happened there in Acts and what Jesus said. Can we go back a few hundred years even before that? Go to Daniel chapter 3. And, and, and don't tell me that Daniel chapter 3 is not living itself before our eyes today. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3 decides to build a statue. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 1. Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits. A cubit is 18 inches. 18 times 60. Y'all want to do the math. It's over 1,000 feet tall. He made an image over 1,000 feet tall. And its breadth, 6 cubits. 1,000 inches tall. And he sat on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps. That's what he did. He, he erected this gold image, bigger than everything else, and put it right smack in the middle. Then he called everybody. The satraps, the precepts, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, the officials of all the provinces to come to the dedication. Verse 3. Then the satraps and the precepts and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the justice and the magistrates and all the officials of the province gathered together for the dedication. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Watch. What did Romans say? The people were going to be unappeasable. Nebuchadnezzar builds the image. Then he says, everybody come over and stand by the image. And everybody came and stood. But then it wasn't enough. Then he looks at them and he says, verse 4, And the herald proclaimed loud, You're commanded, O peoples and nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the, pine, the, horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. They brought everybody in, and this is what culture is doing. This is now right. Everybody come and stand by it. Now that you're all standing, bow to it. And the church is like, but I don't know if that's right. I don't think that's right. But everybody's bowing, so I'm going to bow. It's what we're doing. That's why Paul also writes, everything may be lawful to me, but not profitable. In Spanish, it says, Todo me es lícito, pero no todo conviene. See, this is what it means. They may pass a law. I'm going to go crazy. They may pass a law that says murder is okay. If you don't like the person, kill them and you're good. Sounds crazy. What are we going to say? No, but hold on. In God's top tens, Murders a sin. See, I'm going to the extreme. 
So we can pass laws that say things are okay. And they may be lawful now, but they're not okay before the eyes of God. And we stand on what God says. Can, let me keep reading. Again, Paul wrote this hundreds, hundreds of years later in Romans. I'm sorry, Timothy. And he tells Timothy, persecution's going to come to those who are following godliness, right? Paul wrote and says they're going to slander, right? Watch, watch. Verse number eight. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of worship, uh, music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now, king, there are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. O king, these men pay no attention to you. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They persecuted them. You know, we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and many times, it, you know, we don't know what it says. We don't know where Daniel was at the moment. And I don't believe that it was only them three that stood. I just believe those are the ones they tried to make an example out of because they were in leadership. Because look at what verse number eight says. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews who were all there in bondage at the moment. But who was in leadership? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Them. I'm going to make an example out of you. And they bring them forward. And King Nebuchadnezzar brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and looks at them furious. Verse number 13 says, in furious rage. Do we not see that when, we, when the church, when us as believers say, hey, I love you, but I will not stand for something that's not according to the word of God, people filled with rage? Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar brought them in anger and says in verse 14, he answered to them and said, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every other kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be stoned. No, no. You shall immediately be canceled. No, no, no. You shall be immediately cast into a burning fire furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? We're not facing anything new. What's new is so many within the church that is not standing on the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of the Word of God. So what did they say? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, I love this statement. We have no need to answer you in this manner. Nebuchadnezzar, I shall not explaineth myself to you. Nebuchadnezzar, it ain't none of your business. 
So he says, we have no need to answer you in this manner. Yet here we are fighting on Instagram and Twitter and anybody that'll hear us and every YouTube thing and fighting amongst ourselves. And well, I believe that women can preach or don't, can't preach or this or that or the other. And it's like, shut up. Preach Jesus. Preach Jesus. The devil's like, I don't even have to destroy them. It's so political. It's, it's, it's like politics. What annoys me the most about politicians? Instead of speaking about what they're going to stand on, they just slander each other. Whether you are a Republican, a Democrat, whatever you are, you see the Republicans sit back and watch the Democrats fight each other. And you watch the Democrats sit back and watch Republicans fight each other. And that's what the church is doing. And the devil sits back and says, I don't even need to infiltrate. That spirit of division is doing it all on its own. I can, I can go knock that one out because I mean, the church, they're just so caught up with all this foolishness and they're bowing down to the golden image because, you know, the, the, it's not appeasable. So they, they've given an inch and a foot and a thing and now they're just worshiping it all and now they're changing verses and writing other Bibles and doing all kinds of stuff. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we have no need to answer you this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace. And he'll deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar, you can threaten me, and God can change your mind. Nebuchadnezzar, you can act on your threat, and God can deliver me. But no matter what happens, I'm not bound. It's what we need to do today. We know the story. If you, you can read it later. Nebuchadnezzar gets even more filled with rage. How do they light up the oven, the fiery furnace, seven times hotter? I don't know. But the Bible says they put it seven times hotter. They tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it says that the flames were so strong that the men who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in got burned and killed. And the king turned on his big plasma TV. Plasma's hot. Got it? All right, never mind. He goes to watch the fiery furnace. He's there, and all of a sudden, he says, yo, whoever is number two in command is. Did we not throw three people tied up in that fiery furnace? Yes, king, and we killed our three best soldiers. No. I see four, and they're loose, and they're dancing, and the fourth one looks like the son of God. In 2023, culture and the world system has erected images. As believers, we are being called to bow down to these images, to these idols, to these statues. And many are. When we choose to stand, we will be persecuted. 
When we choose to stand, we will be ridiculed. When we choose to do all these different things, we may be bound. We may be tossed into the fiery furnace. They might turn off your Twitter for two weeks. But God. I believe that as a church, globally, we've made such a thing of certain images that have been erected. But what happens is that we've said okay to some and the church has lost its footing because there's so much immorality in the church and hypocrisy and deceit and backstabbing. Right, you, you, you'll, you'll have somebody stand up and say homosexuality is a sin and it's abomination before the eyes of God, which the Bible says it while driving home and cheating on their wife, which is also sin and an abomination. <laughs> while speaking curses, while doing every other thing. See, we, we stand on that one, but then we're totally fine that you're driving down the expressway and there's billboards that say, protect yourself from STDs, use protection. You know that that sign is there on the way to Miami Beach because the people are going to the club and are going to hook up with somebody. Hey, that's sin too. Stand for righteousness. No, it's okay. It's lawful. It's it's it's, it's, not, it's not. If you were to ask me, Pastor, do you believe men and women that are firm believers should get into politics? Absolutely. If that's your calling, yes. But I also want to say this: you cannot legislate morality. And you cannot legislate righteousness of God. It is currently illegal to murder people. Yet murders happen every day. It is illegal to drive while intoxicated. Yet people are driving under the influence and killing people every day. It is illegal to do so many things that people choose to do anyway. So we can't legislate morality. What are we going to do? We're going to cause change as we stand. And I love you, but I will not stand, or better said, bow to that golden image. Right. I told you I was going to preach out of my heart. This has been heavy. It's time to wake up and stand, to have the faith to stand. This is wrong. Because the Bible says it. Everybody throws around that word abomination. Abomination, all this, that. Man, the Bible actually depicts multiple things. As a matter of fact, do you know that it says that a lying tongue is an abomination to God? Proverbs says that. A lying tongue. Go to Proverbs 17. Look at this verse. Worship team, if you can start coming to the altar. Proverbs chapter 17. You read this yesterday or today if you were doing your Bible reading. If you're up to date with the one-year Bible. Look at verse 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike. 
an abomination to the Lord. He who justifies the wicked. Oh, they did that, but they had their reasons. That's their truth. That's their reality. I can't say if you justify the wicked. Watch. If you condemn the righteous. I can't believe you're standing for that. Don't you know we're in 2023? You, had, you condemn the righteous? Both things are abominations before the eyes of God. What does God want us to do? Learn the word, stand on the word. Pray, Holy Spirit, fill me with boldness. Young people, it's harder, to, for, today, it's harder for you today than it was for me in my college years. It's going to be harder for my children, which is my responsibility to train them in the ways of the Lord now. Train them now. Teach them how to stand now. Because if they learn how to stand now, they're not going to fall away later. So what is the truth? Because people are like, oh my gosh, this, this, things are getting worse. Pastor, I thought you're not doom and gloom. I'm not. There's something, and it's called Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with the infilling of the Holy Spirit that you will be able to stand without anxiety, without fear, and say, thus say is the Lord, where you will be able to stand on the word of God. And yes, some people won't like it. And some people are going to look and say, you're judging me. Sorry, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying what the word of God says. I'm just showing you the mirror. Your choice. The scripture teaches us that it is the desire of God that all men be saved. But not all men are because it's a choice. Will you choose, number one, to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Number two, Will you and I choose to stand for him? To have the faith to stand wherever we are and say, this is what God says and this is who I am. I'm not, I don't identify as a Christian. I am a Christian everywhere I go. On vacation. Not on vacation. At the grocery store, wherever you go. That's what integrity is, same thing, in front and behind. And so what do we need to do? Pray daily, Holy Spirit, fill me with boldness to stand for what is right, to have the faith to stand and not bow to the image erected by culture. Let's stand to our feet. As we begin to worship and pray, here's my challenge for you. Examine your heart, and are there things that you have bowed to that culture says are okay, that God says are not? That's a wide spectrum. And if there are things that culture says, oh, this is acceptable, it's not a big deal, but God says, yes, it is a big deal. You're not lost. You just need to now, as we worship, say, God, I repent for bowing to that image. I repent for bowing to that idol. 
forgive me. I will stand for what you say from this moment forward in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody talking to the Lord.